Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Red State of the Union uh, Q&As. I'm Kevin Smith. Uh, just a little business to get out of the way first. This, I think, is our uh, second to last class. I think we have one. In fact, I know we have one more after this with you guys, and that'll be uh, Michael Parks. We'll sit down with Michael Parks next week, and we'll watch the movie, of course. But other than that, we're almost kind of coming to an end of uh, this semester. We're going to do it again. Uh, you're not obligated to go to the second semester. If you like it, you want to stick around, do it all again. You'll have a chance to sign up before anybody else. But failing that, if you're like, look, I've seen enough, I'm done now, I just want to see the movie and blah, 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 that's totally cool as well. Um, but we're going to go out again because we've got a bunch of other people we can talk to. We haven't, we've scratched the surface with a lot of the talent we've met so far, but we have so many more interesting people like with jobs running the gamut up and down the production line that will still be way educational to listen to. Um, so that'll be, that'll be coming up in the immediate future. So I was able to uh, pull something for uh, tonight's actor. Let's take a look. Uh, and then I'll uh, come back and we'll introduce you to who we're talking to today. Matt, go ahead. This is in a trailer? You live in a trailer, motherfucker. Just asking, damn. Jared? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's Travis, and that's, that's Billy Ray. Bet you boys want to get up to the devil's business, don't you? <laughs> devil's right in here. Lovely. <laughs> I'm bad beer, boys. Okay. Um, the uh, last time uh, we watched uh, a clip, let me see, what was it? It was the second week, I think, we ever did the class, which I think was the first um, legitimate week or whatever, the one we did with John Gordon. I think that's when we watched the cage sequence, right, going into the chapel. Um, that would have been a far better clip to pull for our guy tonight, but uh, you saw that already, so we got to pull a little bit of this, see a little bit of Melissa Leo as well. This is them showing up at what we call the trap trailer. The boys never really emerge from that uh, space the same way. Uh, our horror movie kind of begins at that point. But uh, the gang leader, the ringleader, uh, the guy who's kind of uh, the, the imagineer, if you will, that gets the boys on the road to go get some pussy, um, was, uh, was written as a very on-the-nose, kind of hardcore, just uh, high school um, punk. You know, very two-dimensional, very one-note. And uh, tonight's actor uh, took it and fucking did the very definition of not just executing, but elevated took that part and really fucking did something with it where I was like, holy shit, man. One of the finest actors I ever worked with, so much so that uh, by uh, midway through the show, I pulled him aside, told him he had to be in the next movie, play a very important role, and we'll talk about that later on. But for right now, I'd like you to meet a really great actor. He's in Red State. His name is Kyle Gallner. Um... That, uh, uh kind of like Carrie last week, it's tough to 
pull clips and show people uh, with any, uh, give them any indication of what's to come. Like for this whole time we've been doing the Red State course, we've been pulling everything from like the first 17 minutes of the movie and whatnot. And as you know, that's not really, that's just really kind of the beginning of it all. Uh, It is. Yeah. It becomes (laughs) a very different movie. Let's, let's start with that. You, you get the script uh, about when did you ever get the script or just sides or how did you first hear about Red State? Um, I had the kind of basic audition where I got sent the sides and I read the sides and was just kind of like, what the fuck is happening? Well, the, the sides <laughs> are pretty the much, beginning of it's, the movie. it's all the teen like pussy chase and uh-huh. talk. And, and it's, imagine if you will, I mean, they've seen the clip and it tamed considerably from what was on the page. And that had everything to do with your guy, the performance, the guys that you that you guys put into it. But it, on the page, and I think we've talked about it with Michael and maybe uh, Nick a little bit. The boys were just fucking deplorable, like really, just kind of like ugh, you almost wanted to, uh, yeah, to he, see him get hurt. Yeah, you didn't like him. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I kind of had it was the fastest process I've ever had with a movie where I auditioned on Friday, got told that you guys liked me on Friday, and then on Monday was told I booked the movie where usually you get strung along for like a month or a couple weeks and um so i got offered the role and then is there ever a moment where you're like wait a sec how much does it pay like does that count come into it and uh, not really i mean there's the whole one for you one for me kind of thing yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. you'll do something you don't really want to do because you have to but those are the ones that tend to pay more right, right. <laughs> like they're the ones you don't want to do but it's like okay i can pay rent and eat but um, I booked it, and then because, like you said, the sides were all like dick and fart jokes for a while, mm-hmm. and it was that question of like, I don't know what the fuck this is about. Like, yeah. well, like I can't sign on until I know what this movie's about. And then I read the script and was really kind of shocked and blown away by what happened. I had no expectation about what happened because in the audition, they're telling me it's not light. It's because you know I heard it was a Kevin Smith movie. I was right. like, oh, it's gonna be a comedy. It's gonna be fun. Right. And then the audition was like, this is not a light movie at all. So I was very confused as to what it was gonna be about. And then I got the script and read it, and actually had to kind of digest it for about a week to be like, this is really dark and and messed up. And like you said, the characters are very unlikable. Yeah. The kids were like just shit bags for almost the whole movie. And then, but then you know, working with Michael and Nick, we kind of. Humanized I, the characters, huh? Humanized them. You shoot yeah, them we, in. We, I everyone, mean, it's like they, uh, some of their uh, behaviors kind of reprehensible, but they're yeah. not complete. Well, they're being, it's like boys will be boys kind of thing. Right. But then, um, yeah. See now, Michael and Nick do it. Did it. We kind of played around with it and changed the characters, like you said, to I guess more humane characters where you kind of feel for him a little bit more yeah i think michael kind of said it last week i thought it was, it was, it was fairly accurate he was like look these dudes are not the cool kids like no. nothing about them is cool they're going off in the woods to get pussy nothing about right them is yeah cool. we're, we're assholes I, I had when i was writing i was like these dudes are so cool but apparently <laughs> that's... no we suck <laughs> we suck all right now uh, take me way to fuck back you're from pennsylvania yeah i'm from uh 20 minutes outside of philadelphia really all right mm-hmm. so how old are you when you first start acting uh, 14, 15. And how's this come about? Is it something you wanted to n- pursue or is no. it the old story of like my friend was doing it and it sounded funny? Uh, my sister was a dancer there and, got, Second oldest and story. got, uh, <laughs> and went to like a performance arts camp and, and I had my first audition and 
it was at an agency and they're like, do you want an agent? I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but okay. And so I got an agent and it was just kind of a snowball effect. And when I hit 17 ish, 16, 17 was when I kind of decided that's really what I wanted to do. And so to up till then, were you doing just mostly commercials or some? I wasn't TV doing shit. Spots? I mean, it was, it, New York's really hard. It's, it's, if you do law and order, then you're done. That's it, right? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like yeah. They send all your tapes for movies to like LA and right. you don't really get picked unless the movie's filming in New York. So unless you want to do theater or multiple episodes of Law and Order, you can't really do anything. Right. So, um, it was more just a learning experience being in New York. Um, learning the ropes. I mean, you know, I was a kid who had no idea what an agent was or did. Who were you living with at this point? My parents. They in lived Pen- in Pennsylvania. So you guys would just take the trip. Yeah, we'd down. go back and forth. I right. mean, sometimes I'd be in New York like three, four times a week. Um, and then, yeah, I came out to LA and that's kind of when things started picking up. I, I did a couple commercials in New York, but that was pretty much it. What were, what did the family react? How'd they react when you were like, yeah, I think I might want to do this? It was a pilot season I was out here for. And, um, my agent asked my mom if she pretty much told me to leave the room and asked my mom and dad if, they would consider moving to California. So within like a 10 minute conversation, it was kind of a game changer for everything. And so I'm one of four kids. So we had to have a big conversation with my family and, um, I moved out at 17 with my family and did my senior year of high school in California. And where'd you go to school? What you left all your friends behind and shit? Yeah. I went to, uh, Valencia. You were like the karate kid. Man. Terrible. You come out to LA as a teenager. Well, the old one, not the little black. Yeah, kid. no, <laughs> no, very different. Um, yeah, and just that's kind of it. And you were did it? Uh, did you hit the ground running for like? In as much as when you got out here, it's not like for six months you didn't book jobs. No, and the booked, whole family was like, I, "Nice, Kyle." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Kyle. Yeah. Um, no, I booked uh, my first job within probably two months. I booked uh, Smallville. I think was my first job out here. That was your first gig mm-hmm. out here. And what had you done prior to that? Just commercials and little TV spots or something. I did like a Benadryl commercial where I just scratched myself. Where <laughs> all over my body. Uh, right. And like, I did like a Mastercard commercial and like two or three commercials. That's pretty much it. And from that work, they're just like, "You should be Bart Allen." You're like, right. "No, <laughs> not at all." Uh, no, I mean, it was it was tough. I, I but I've been very lucky where, you know, I didn't have to fight too hard to be seen. Like, I had kind of right place, right time sort right. of thing. And I, and originally they wanted Bart to be kind of the size of. Um, Superman. They wanted him to be like really big. A big dude. Right yeah. So that was my first thing out. And that kind of, in a weird way, got some form of attention. Well, have, I mean, that has a huge audience, a huge yeah. following. So it, it just kind of, again, like snowballed from there. Was it, was it weird? Did people start coming up to you like, holy shit, Bart Allen, run real fast, motherfucker? Yeah. I, I would get, I would get jokes at school where it's like, you want to see me run around the world? You want to see it again? And I'd be like, <laughs> 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 it's like okay, I'm leaving. Right. So I left school. <laughs> um, <laughs> I homeschooled. They and, chased Bart Allen out of school. And, How ironic! Yeah, and I got, I got, I got the hell out of there, and just kind of uh, finished up homeschool. Finished um, four months early, and mm-hmm. just started acting. Now that did that gig lead to other gigs or to another gig right away? Or no, I mean it was just auditions. It was whatever I could book. I mean, it, you know, I'm not getting offered anything. I'm not getting. So it was just the hustle, you know, the the run and gun kind of hustle of auditioning as much as you can and hopefully booking a job and it's been eight years when did veronica mars happen veronica mars happened that was probably about 
a year or so after I lived out here. Mm -hmm. Because I did three episodes of that, and then they invited me back to be on the second season as a main character. That's right. So you were at the tail end of the Mm -hmm. first season. You were kind of introduced, and then they brought you back. Yeah, and then they asked me if I would like to be a main character on the second season. And did you know, I mean, I, I don't, it's off the air right now, and, and if you haven't seen it, you're a fucking idiot, because Veronica Mars is a great, great show, particularly season one, and season two is pretty cool, too, it's an excellent cameo in season two by a well-known fat director. Um, <laughs> but uh, the end of season two, uh, the, your character takes a, a fucking massive turn, did you know that going in? When no, was- I had no idea I was going to get molested by Steve Gutenberg, and like, <laughs> Um, <laughs> Nobody ever knows. That's the problem, ah, man. He comes up from behind. And, <laughs> um, and he, he stalks you, and he made me wear my little league uniform. <laughs> um, no, I had no idea. I found out from uh, the wardrobe guy that I was going to be like the bad guy. At what point in the season did you find out? About two weeks before I had to film the last episode. Get out of here. Yeah. So you don't even have really I had no time idea. To, no. Like, there's been no, well, since I knew this from weeks. No, it was basically, I could build it was basically like, okay, Steve Gutenberg raped you, so you raped Veronica, and now you're going to blow up an airplane and, and jump <laughs> off a building and kill yourself. And it's like, oh. You're like, what? Okay. Slow week in the writer's room? <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? You bored? Like, <laughs> They're like, we really fucking hate you, Kyle. We had we to get you, you out for- in four and different I, ways. Well, I was told, I knew I was only going to be on for season two, but I was like, I get it. Everyone's going to college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, They're like, was, most are. Yeah. You will be the killer. You're going to jump off a building. Um, was it, uh, do you, as an actor, are you like, when you get that script, you're like, this rocks. Or are you yeah, like, it was cool. I, yeah, I, was, I was excited because I... Didn't really have a ton to do through the whole. You were a nice guy. See, yeah. yeah, and so there you was were a like lot. Kermit the Frog's nephew, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Robin. I was Robin. Um, so yeah, when you get a part like that, it's always nice to, you know, play the same character but in a totally different light and try to figure out how that person would turn from a nice guy to a rapist murderer. And you get to monologue too. You get to be like, I get to you, talk. Yeah, you're like, here's my whole fucking. <laughs> I didn't get plan to talk a whole lot. That's right. So you get to do a bunch of dialogue. Um, yeah, so I actually get to talk. That was nice. What was nice the, change of pace? How was and I was shot down in San Diego or something. Yeah. How was that? How was the uh, the grind of a regular series? Uh good. I mean, I was only on for a year, and my workload wasn't terrible. I could actually do stuff in between, mm-hmm. which was nice. And um, I mean, I don't know. It was so. I didn't really know anything, you know, I was still new and green. So I was like super excited and it was right, really fun. And, and I, not to say I wouldn't be now, but, um, yeah, it was just, I was just happy to work. You know, I had a year of straight work. Right, right, right. And does it breed other work or is the show being it, on TV help or hurt? It depends on the show. Uh-huh. I think, I mean, if there's something super specific, like if you were to play a super specific character, like if they were to do, if they made a TV show about like The Flash, like if they did a spinoff of that, I'd be fucked. Because it'd be like, oh, you're The Flash. I can't put you in my movie because everyone's going to see you as like this superhero. Right, right. So it it depends. I mean, it can it can help. I mean, you get HBO shows now that are filmed like movies mm-hmm. and can really actually showcase some of your acting and everything. That it's it depends on the show. Now, what happened after Veronica Mars? Veronica Mars ends, or you're like, shit, man, all the offers better start you're rolling fucking, in. You're always screwed. You're never on top. <laughs> no, it, doesn't, um, it, doesn't, it wasn't no. like, look at what Beaver did, man. Look at that piece of work in the no, last No, what's weird, though, about that was like my mom took my sister to dance, and there was a woman who really, really liked the show, and after the season finale, like, cornered my mom. And I was like, your son's an 
asshole like couldn't differentiate from the tv <laughs> show the to, like, performance. to me so she like accosted my mom for like six minutes in a corner you should have raised him better <laughs> yeah i was like okay i gotta go um <laughs> But no, I mean, it never, you never really know what's going to happen. So I, I basically went from exactly where I was before the show. I went mm-hmm. back to the, you know, nose to the grindstone of just auditioning and trying to see what I could book and working as much as I can. Now, feature-wise, what was the first feature you wound up doing? Um, studio feature was Haunting in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some straight-to-DVD stuff that every time it's on Stars or whatever, you kind of cringe. But, um, that's everything I've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, first big, I guess, main movie that was actually seen would have been Haunting in Connecticut. Now, um, and this was, this was the exorcism flick, right? Where you got cancer or something? Yeah, like I had cancer and was possessed and. And how, now, you became something of a horror dude from that. Like, so much so that it be, was a little minor, well, not a big issue, but a minor issue on our thing where you were just like, I, we heard back, he's like, you don't like doing horror movies. Yeah. And I was like, well, everyone keeps telling me this isn't a horror movie. I read it and was like, I didn't think it was a horror movie. Man. And then when everyone's telling me it's a horror movie, I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. It's not a horror movie. No, it's um, a horror movie. It's a horror movie. It's, no, it's a horror movie. It's fucking, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Scariest goddamn movie you'll ever see. Um, but yeah, I read it and the subject matter was different. You know, it's not right. like running away from ghosts or monsters or possession. And it's kind of a horror movie in the sense of just, People being terrible to people, people yeah. being horrific. So yeah, it's not a horror movie in the true sense, but I did kind of fall into a niche and, and, and that's the thing where, you know, I did that and then Jennifer's Body and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. And everyone just, all the offers you get, like after Jennifer's Body, I would get offers, but they're like for terrible movies just to play like some skinny, creepy goth kid. And I'm <laughs> like, it's like, God damn it. So. You know, I have indie films that nobody. I want to play emo, <laughs> like, motherfucker. Let me play emo. The fuck, but how? Let me ride horses in Africa with swords. Did you do that? No, I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, and then you have these indie films that you never know if they're going to be seen, and you ne- and you're you're just waiting for one to pop. So people are like, I can do more than scream and run away from ghosts and right. all that bullshit. So. It's always the the tough part where people kind of pigeon. That's the hard part about the industry is like it's a very creative industry run by sometimes not the most creative people. Oh god! So yes. they pigeonhole you and they think like, oh, this kid's done horror movies. That's all he can do. Well, fuck it. I don't want him in my movie because it doesn't have a monster in it or something. And it's it it gets frustrating. But you know, I have a couple indies that are now finally finishing up editing. I have like Red State, and then there's mm-hmm. another one up at Sundance, and then What's there's the like one, the other one that said Sundance. Yeah, it's called Little Birds. Little Birds, and you uh, there? Uh, does anybody know? Or are we not supposed to talk about your uh, I, thing? I don't you, know. You're one of the every year up there. <laughs> they do like uh, actors to watch. They usually mm-hmm. pick five or seven or something seven. like that. Yeah, they pick. The, seven. And this year, you're one of the you're one of the dudes because yeah, you, I you got Red State and and. What is it? Little birds. birds. Little birds. Yeah, I keep yeah. want to call it the birds. The nah, birds. little birds. So boom, you're you're being kind of sighted up there. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, it's it's a nice, it's nice. It is kind of. Nice. <laughs> you are uh, you're uh, the, the the scuttlebutt on you. Uh, even before we work together and after I've, or we work together is easier to keep an ear to the ground for people that you know and like. Um, what an intense actor he is. Everyone says, oh, he's such an intense actor. He's, he's like a little Johnny Depp or something like that. <laughs> and I, I thought before you got to the set, I was like, what does that mean, a little Johnny Depp? And then when he got to the set, I fucking realized what it meant. Like you, hands down, one of the most intense actors I've ever worked with. And in terms of prep 
for um, for working on some definitely some uh, thrilling material or horrific material or whatnot. You would go into dark, dark fucking places so much so that I would get so <laughs> scared for you. I'd call John Gordon over and be like, "We have to stop him from doing it." Because <laughs> Kyle, as you saw in that scene in the second week, you know he's in the cage when we get him into the chapel, and that's just kind of where the fun begins for his character. So there's a lot of physicality and a lot, a lot there's of different definitions of fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah, it was fun on the page when I was writing it. Um, but the uh, to pull it off, you would, uh, I would always see you walking around before you did those scenes of, uh, you know, for lack of a better description, capture, torture, shit like that. Um, walking around with the earbuds in and very, very quiet off to your, by, uh, off to the side by yourself. Um, and then we would go, you know, we'd be like, you ready to go? You'd be like, yeah, yeah. And we'd go and you'd be so dark in the moment and start fucking having a yell or whatever or talk or whatever it was. And then it would end and off you would go like a shot. Just very, and, and you know, to go get out of the ugliness. Yeah. What'd you do? I was, I never bothered you on set. I was never like, Hey man, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you listening to? Yeah. I don't What's think I want to hear that. I'm like, what are you, let me listen. Let's listen together. Um, but what, <laughs> what were you, uh, what did you do? What was the, what did you listen to? It depends. I, it, it depends on the movie, like, or the part or the character. Like sometimes I won't listen to an iPod or sometimes I'll listen to like a really happy song. Really? Cause in a weird way, I mean, if you think about it, it's almost like, if a song makes you really happy and you think, wow, I'll never feel like this again, mm-hmm. it kind of has an opposite effect and really depresses you. Gotcha. Um, but that was, there's, it was a song, I can't remember, but there's, uh, one line in it that there, the chorus kept repeating itself and the way it was mixed was like really kind of heavy. It was actually like, it was actually a rap song, mm-hmm. but the chorus was, um, it says, I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I would just like, repeat that and keep playing that and turn it up really loud and just you know in terms of who i'm dealing with it's basically what it is like i'm never gonna get away i'm screwed so i mean it depends on that but that was what i would listen to it was intense man and and again like you know the movie was uh low budget flick it was under a little under four million bucks and you could make the last five movies i did with your entire budget it's not low budget really really? (laughs) they tell me it's low budget these days low budget is like i've done like six hundred thousand dollars man motherfucker i made a twenty seven thousand dollar oh shut the fuck (laughs) (laughs) bitch i invented low budget all right uh, yeah 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 um but with with, uh with With uh, with uh, it was a different time. Yes, it was the nineties. We had no money whatsoever. Um, it, it was uh, it was kind of intense. I, I for the budget level, I just didn't. Th- I, I I knew Michael Parks would take it very seriously because it was killer fucking part. But I thought everyone else would just be like, yeah, man, it was a fucking four million dollar horror movie. But everybody came very fucking. It all came to play. Yeah, very much came to play, and you uh, very intense. Well, one, like right, and, and I've talked about. Um, from the first day you guys all sat down at the, um, lunchroom, the quad sequence, you could tell like already, like, oh my God, these guys are really taking it and running with it. They're not just fucking executing. They're totally elevating. I keep saying it, but it's absolutely fucking true. Um, and then when we got into the darker passages, the, the willingness that you showed to go into uncomfortable physical places, psychological places, make the movie fucking work. You know what I'm saying? Like there, I would sit there and watch you work yourself up into a lather 
and just want to do the old, um, you know, Dustin Hoffman, uh, what's his name? Lawrence Olivier kind of like, it's called acting, dear boy. You know, right, just pretend right, you're right, upset. Right, right. But it, you could not fucking argue with results. Like, I remember watching you and just how intense you were, and then we'd go shoot. And right before we cheer, I was like, I got to pull him aside and be like, Kyle, you ain't got to do shit like that. Just, <laughs> just pretend you're scared. But then we'd do a take. And it was sheer terror coming off of you, you know? And I was like, that's why he does it. Like, he, he's not worried about... Like me, I'm like, ah, don't worry. A little will go a long way. Mm-hmm. But you were like, fuck it, man. I'm going to take it to a place where it actually looks authentic. And because of that, everyone else in the scene has to bring it up there as well. So, you know, that was a champion move uh, for me. I mean, I I wasn't even asking for great. And you came with great. And that, that, was, uh, that helped that entire fucking sequence. Because, yeah, we always knew that we had parks you know with all that dialogue and playing that role but it never occurred to me like none of that shit would have worked if you didn't truly believe in the fucking jeopardy at all times and you you conveyed that amazingly well i mean that's kind of i mean if it's a movie you really want to do and you're given really good material and stuff it's it's if you're not gonna go for it then like go fuck yourself if you're going to take the movie like why right. half ass something so i don't know if it's if it's something i want to do that i really you know believe in and stand by and and really like the project i mean it's kind of doing it's an injustice to yourself and it's also an injustice to the people who are going to see the movie right you know i mean you're making it a because you want to make a movie for everybody to see but you also want to be good in it for everybody else to see and totally. I, yeah i mean I don't know. If you're going to half-ass it, it's kind of like, get the fuck out of here. There's so many people who would kill to be, you know, in the position of having that part who don't have the part. Yeah. Have you worked, do you ever work with somebody that didn't want to be there? Yeah. Really? Well, I, so have I. Yeah. I, I wasn't until late it's in my career. It's the worst feeling in the, because you're, you're giving it up and then, and especially like off-camera work. Yes. That's what drives me crazy. If We're, someone's not even, not I, I'm not asking you. you to cry your eyes out off camera, but right. it's like, look at me or like, give, you know, give me something. It's, it's hard. To it's, explain the off camera for those who are unfamiliar, when you're making a flick, let's say you got a two shot going on, there's two people in that shot. Let's say you break into coverage. Like, I want to shoot Kyle and I'm the other guy having a conversation with him. Either I'll throw a camera right here over the shoulder. They call it an over shoulder where there's a piece of me in there, but the shot's focused on him. If you don't do that, you go clean of the guy. So they're not inside of me at all, or they're inside of me. They're not over me at all. So I'm right behind camera and I deliver the, I give an eye line to Kyle so he can continue the conversation and it looks right when you do it on camera. Um, most actors, uh, I, I mean, and shit, 95% of the actors I've ever worked with in my life all stick around and do they're off camera for the other person in yeah. the scene. It's just what you do. It's like, well, it's common courtesy, common courtesy. They were there for you when they're yeah. doing your coverage. Um, it depends how famous you are. The more famous you get, some cats are just like, you know, you don't need me, right? Right. Yeah. You know, when they come up to you, like, you're fine, right? Just got you on the head. You're like, yeah, I guess I'm fine. And off they go. Right. <laughs> uh, ben was saying when, years ago when he made Armageddon, um, he was just like, there's a dude in that movie, very famous, bald fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> there was a guy in that movie who, uh, Ben said literally just didn't do the coverage. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, when it was time to do the off camera, it went for me. I was acting opposite a C-stand with a tennis ball on the end of it. <laughs> so, it. It is heartbreaking when you come across somebody that's just like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. You, where you're just like, what's better than this, man? You're yeah. not going to try? What was it like for you? Were you in a position to be able to say anything? or were you just No, like, I'm still not in a position to be able to really Even as an actor, it. you can't just be like, hey, man. It's weird. I mean, like you said, a lot of times it can be with 
bigger name people. Or what's worse is when somebody has a sense of, um, I don't know, like they think they're the best thing. And it's like, you haven't really done it. You haven't proven yourself. You haven't done anything. Not that proving yourself should let you be an excuse to be an asshole. Right. But, but at least, it, look, if, if, if you've got a body of work that's respect, like right. Matt Damon could come over to me and be like, Kev, you're fat. And I'd be like, all right, cause he's done a good body of work. <laughs> you're Matt Damon. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ben comes over. I'd be like, fuck you. You're an idiot. You know? <laughs> Oh, you did the town. Yeah, well, big deal. <laughs> well, I made a movie too once. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, you, man, once you realize somebody's kind of not there, yeah. it's heartbreaking as a professional. Like, well, cause you're just like, man, I can't imagine being you. You almost want to ask them why they're like that. It's, and it's that question too of like, then why the fuck are you here? Yeah. Why'd and you it's sign like, up? Look, I like money too, but like, yeah. It, I, all right, maybe that's it. Like at yeah. the end of the day, they're like, I just want the money. You're it's like, like oh, go appear okay. at a mall. <laughs> I should have said you. that. <laughs> Why don't you go appear at Yeah, that like, would have been nice. Uh, it's yeah, it's weird, man. It's it's tough. It's 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 kind of heartbreaking when you run into something like that. And it happens, unfortunately, on both sides of the camera too. Sometimes you meet people on the other side of the camera that don't care either, where yeah. they just kind of phone it in. You said something um, at, at one point when we were shooting, where I was like, "You're fucking kidding me." Um, you you still like. You work with an acting teacher or coach mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. You still go to classes. You're like Franco. Like Franco just keeps going to fucking school, even though it's like, bitch, you win the new Planet of the Apes movie. You don't need acting You're hosting anymore. the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he still likes to build his arsenal and shit. You're the same way. Well, I mean, the cool part about, I guess, this industry is there's, you know, there's no such thing as like a ceiling. I mean, as a mechanic, you can learn everything you can learn about cars until something new comes out. You don't really have anything else to learn. Mm-hmm. If that's a good analogy. Excellent. But, uh, I mean, as an actor, there's no such thing as a ceiling. And every character is different. Every part's different. So it's kind of the more, you know, tools you have in your toolbox or colors to paint with or whatever, the, the better you'll be. And you can always learn. I think the day you think you have nothing else to learn or the day you think you have it figured out is a really fucking bad day. It's dangerous. Bad yeah, person yeah. who thinks they have it figured out. Because yeah. then all of a sudden, people don't like their performances as much. And it's like, because you haven't grown. You haven't gotten better. So, yeah. I mean, I've been in and out of class. I've been kind of busy. So it's been tough to go to class. But whenever I can go, I go. I've been and when you go, you when you say class, it's a group structure? It's not just yeah, like it's one a one-on-one -on -one It's trip? like basically this, like a whole group of people. And you go up on stage and you put your scene up, get critiqued. And so you get to pick a scene? They give you a scene? They give you a scene. And who's and there's a teacher of some sort. Yeah, my yeah, my coach will sit down in the corner and watch you and tell you how you're screwing it up, pretty <laughs> and, much, and presumably how well you're doing. It yeah, back and forth. You know, and, and what? Um, how long have you been working with this uh, with the same coach or in the same? I've class? been with this guy for probably about four years. Right on. So now, let's say you get a, a piece where would you go to him with specific scenes from a script or? Uh, it depends. Is that between jobs? If I booked a job, I might go to a coach. Um, as far as going to a coach for an audition, unless mm. it's like a specific dialect or something, I don't really like to go because I feel like they create the character that you just have to impersonate. Right. So I'd rather, you know, make it up myself right, and right. kind of feel more comfortable and lived in. But I mean, yeah, I'll go if I, if I need something really specific that I need help with. Um, you wound up doing, uh, the remake of, um, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. You look at you. Look how happy you look about that. What, um, as it got to imagine, it's a huge gig to, to book when you get that phone call. Were, yeah. you, were you like, woo, or were you like, mm, I have to think about this? Uh, it was one where they didn't want to send me the script. 
Well, because it was so secretive? Like, no. It was like, you get on or that's it. But, you know. I oh, went, really? So it's yeah. like we're off in your part. Or you yeah. auditioned or no? Yeah, I auditioned and, and I ended up convincing them to send me a script. And it was a much different script at the time mm. <laughs> um, from page to screen. And uh, so, but no, I mean, it was, it, it was a good experience. It was a good, you know, big budget on set kind of experience. I learned a lot. I mean, Jackie's a great actor, so just getting to shoot the shit with him was, was cool. cool. And it was it was kind of the biggest budget movie I've been on. So as far as a learning experience goes, it's it's good. And um you know, I met a lot of cool people on it. But it's it's trickier. I mean studio films and indie films are a totally different animal. And what explain to these guys, I mean, I, I pretty much I think I, I think know what you're, you're talking about. If you if you're given a lot of money, then it's it's almost like I have all this money. What the fuck do I do with it? And yeah. and and they end up making problems out of stuff that doesn't need to be a problem, or you know they're not as prepared as they should be. I'm not talking specifically from experience, but right. it's, it's it can get in the way sometimes. If if you it, if you have a smaller budget, you don't you have, have to, to be, know how to get from A to Z without yes, a fuck up. You're you're forced to be creative with a lower budget, whereas with a, a comfortable budget or an ample budget. Mm-hmm. There's no problem that can't be dealt with by throwing a fucking throwing stack of money, money at it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas in, in in the low budget world, that's not normally the case. You know, I've well, talked about at one point up. where somebody I wanted a ram's head for the dude on on uh, you know in the chapel, and they were just like, "It's gonna cost five grand to build," and I was like, "Okay, build it." And they were like, oh, "That's our entire budget." Right. For our special effects. I was like, oh shit, my bad. So, you know, at that point, you're forced to be creative. We wound up going another way with it, turns out being even better. So, yeah, you've got to be able to turn on a dime and, and move the entire fucking army on a dime as well uh, if it's not budgetarily working out. Whereas, studio side, things tend to be more comfortable. If you really get into a fucking jam, they're like, here's some more money. Yeah. You know? That also depends on who you're working with on the studio side, too. Yeah, I mean, very true. I, I doubt Scorsese's fucking around you know what i mean uh, i don't know about fucking around but <laughs> at the same time i don't think he you know martin scorsese is martin scorsese when, he's a man when, when you've when you've made good falls and made an oscar you can take as long as you want to yeah do but that's what I mean, but he want. knows what he's doing like he's ready to go as opposed to jumping on a studio film where they're like <sighs> like what should we do we got to make this don't yeah, we? yeah yeah like yeah. anybody got the script <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah um, it was, uh, the learning experience, I guess you work, walk away from something like that was like, well, I'm, I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen again. Well, I, it's an experience in like learn to pick your battles, right. kind of, you know, because in that kind of environment, you're kind of a little, little fish in a big pond. I mean, you are a fucking uh, marketing tool at that point when they're talking about a massive studio made horror movie relaunching right. that beloved franchise. Like, yeah, you're, yeah, it's tough. And, and making a movie like that is different than making a bigger, but you know, it's a remake of something. It's a reboot of something. Mm-hmm. You have to worry, you, you know, you want to please the fans if that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, how was, I didn't even notice. What was the, did you have to deal with a lot of, are there hardcore? Oh yeah. Nightmare I mean, fans who are people, like, don't fuck this up. Oh yeah. I mean, are they really? It's like, hey, didn't they fuck it up already a thousand <laughs> times? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was a tough one to make. I mean, a reboot of something, Signing on to it, you want to do the best job you can, right. basically. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always happen. Like, I really liked the Texas Chainsaw remake, but mm-hmm. 
I'm not a big fan of a lot of other horror remakes. Right. Like, there's a horror movie that's like one of my favorite horror movies. It's called Martyrs mm-hmm. that they're talking. Yeah, about. they were talking about doing talking American about doing an American remake. version. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Have you seen the original? Yeah, especially because the the French, very French ending to that movie is never going to fucking translate. No. And then I saw an article where the guy who's I guess one of the people involved talking about it's like. Well, it's going to be almost as nihilistic right. as the it's, original, it, but it it's going to have some American hope at the end. I'm like, well, that's you just that's not the point of the movie. You just <laughs> took everything that was cool about that movie. Yeah. And fucking, it's like taking the Wizard of Oz and going like, they're never going to leave Kansas because what's the point? Why they just come back? You know, kind of. Thing. She's going to wake up. It's going to be a short <laughs> yeah. film. She's, it's just a fucking dream. Why should we go look at flying monkeys? <laughs> Um, the, uh, sitting right behind you, uh, is a gigantic cross and you spent some time intimately with that cross. Uh, I hadn't even thought about it. It's been here since we wrapped and it's got a tarp over it. So I'd rarely, rarely think about it. But right before we went, you were like, I saw the cross over there and I was like, oh yeah, yeah you're bugging. <laughs> um, it I wa- walked, I didn't notice it until like five minutes before we started and I literally like, Cringed. Like my body shuddered. <laughs> there was a without spoiling it, I, I you know, because I don't want to give too much away. But there was a moment where you uh, found yourself very constricted to that cross, um, and like reacted in a way where I was just like, "What a great actor!" And then I was like, "Oh shit, he ain't acting." <laughs> um, it, it was. It was like in the moment I was like, "Man, look at how believable he is!" And it wasn't. It wasn't like a performance. Yeah. Like, Get me the fuck out! Of here. Get him out! Get him out! Um, I had a bit of a panic attack that day. <laughs> rightfully so, though. I mean, like again, can't reveal too much, but what yeah. it, what he freaked out about? Absolutely, uh, he, he should have freaked. If he didn't freak out about, it, I'd be like, we should study this guy. <laughs> he may be evil himself. <laughs> um, the uh, shit like that. How long do you carry? Uh, you know, the nastiness that you have to put into a role or put into yourself to to make those uh, words work. Like Michael Parks, I remember at the end of the movie said something that I was blew my fucking hair back. You know, it was like second to last day for him. I was like, tomorrow's your last day. He's like, oh, can't wait. I was like, you kidding me? I thought you'd been having a blast. He's like, having a blast, but I can't live with this evil man in my head anymore. Like, it sucks. You have no idea. And I forgot. Like, once again, like to me, I just write it. I'm like, they'll just pretend that they're evil. But that dude, like, fucking, he's he's an actor like you fucking (laughs) read about. So he was carrying aben cooper in his chest he wasn't michael parks for a long time he was aben cooper. yeah when you're filming it's hard to go home at night and kind of let that go you you let it go when you rap but mm-hmm. it can be exhausting I, I i learned a really good lesson early on i did this episode of cold case where i basically went columbine on like a mall food court and mm-hmm. just the director had me like I religiously watched like Elephant and then every night before bed would read like the Columbine diaries and study like all their school papers and, and, and just really, really mess myself up for a long time to the point where I would, my buddies would try to like take me out to be like, Hey, let's, you know, let's chill. And I like got to this place and like almost threw up and had a full blown like hyperventilating panic attack. Cause I thought everybody there knew what I did and like, all and I had to have him drive me home. So it, 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 it sticks with you while you're doing it, but a good lesson from that was just, you know, leave your work at work. I mean, mm-hmm. the character is going to stay with you, but you leave your, you don't take your work home with you or it'll right, drive right. you. Particularly if you're going to play shit heels like Yeah, that. I mean, it'll drive you, it'll really physically kind of drive you crazy. What's the role you want to play that you haven't yet or got a taste of and you haven't gotten to do? Like, what are you, what are you, what's the goal? What's the game plan for you? I mean, aside from like, you know, worldwide domination, but what are the roles? <laughs> That you're like, I'd like to be able to do this, to do this, uh, just, classic roles, if not. I don't know, just good movies, like good Nobody material. Nobody ever says, I like, just want to do shit. I just want to do shit. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. Just I would like to be able to do movies that I want to do or like the movies I read the scripts for that I don't get because I'm too short or too young looking or what, you know, like, mm. you know, I've had a couple choice roles come down there. That you like, lost that I, out. Yeah, that you know, lost. Like, there will be blood. Everyone wanted that movie. And you were one of the cats up for it? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I read for it, but right. I crumbled in the audition because I was... How? Explain. What is a, ba- what is a crumbling audition? Like? <laughs> I wasn't ready. Like, I wasn't physically ready to pull off a part like that at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very terrible audition. But um, I don't know. I just want to do movies that excite me. That, that I, It's a role that I want to do. Kind of The goal, I guess, is to take parts that you're afraid of. Right. You know, to see, can I do this? Am I good enough to do this? Or will it elevate me to a place I've never been before? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, just I kind of want to do whatever the fuck I want to do, basically. Um, I I fell in love with uh, your performance uh, early on in the movie. I loved how, and I said it before we started, how uh, you kind of took it very low and drew people into you. It was very, Parks wound up doing a kind of similar thing. When we were mm-hmm. out in the chapel, I was like, oh, these motherfuckers must have sat down, called each other and been like, let's whisper. <laughs> um, but you do, it's you guys have a very specific delivery that it's it's not hushed or anything, but it draws you in. You're not, out there you're not like hey man we should do this shit it's all very kind of it's kind of a commanding tone i guess when you're quiet yeah yeah that's what it is i think where you can get somebody to do what you want to do without screaming so it's almost there's almost like a trustworthy thing right but also you completely distrust this person it depends on who the person is yeah and you know you look at somebody like nick who's fucking six foot six with a giant rat tail it's like i don't need to be yelling that kid that kid's screaming without even talking (laughs) Um, and (laughs) So it was like, okay, I can be subtle. I can be reserved. Right. And and they're my friends, so they're going to listen to me and they trust me. And I don't need to be over the top. It's kind of what this character says is word. It's what goes. Mm. So I don't need to be like, hey, motherfucker, we're getting in the car now. You have no choice. Right, right. It's more like we're going. The, uh, the, what you were doing throughout uh, your interactivity with the boys and just kind of the choices you made – um, early on for me, you know, I, uh, while I'm working on one, I'm working on the next. So the uh, whole time I'm making this movie, I'm like, all right, who's coming back for the hockey flick? Um, everyone knows Nick's going to be in. Everyone knows uh, Michael's probably going to be – Michael's in as well. But everyone knows Nick's uh, kind of the lead. But you were the first guy I talked to, and it was kind of when we were at um, the interior. We're in the church. Yeah, we were at the church, but we were hanging out behind the house as well, the, the house that was uh, yeah, inside yeah, of yeah, Michael's yeah. house, and yeah. we used the kitchen and shit like that. But uh, I, I I said, um, hey, man, can you skate? And he was just like, no, I guess I could ollie things. I'm like, no, no, not that kind of skate. Uh, <laughs> ice skating? And uh, I, was, I, I could try. I said, I got this role that I want you to play, because uh, once we start acting, once you start acting and start shooting, I would sit there and watch and all the shit they you did. I was like, man, this dude's fucking, he's got, he's got down with science and shit. And so I knew you could bust this role, a very important role in the next flick that, that I wanted to make. So I was just like, can you skate? And you were like, I, I, I mean, I could try. And I was like, I want you to play Gretzky in my movie. And everyone who knows me knows that I'm a fucking, that's, that's like me coming to you and being like, I need you to play Jesus in right. my Bible. <laughs> like it's a fucking huge fucking role, but it's not at the same time as a role that doesn't come in until like the third act in the right, movie. Right. But he's a guy that is referred to throughout. And then finally you kind of, uh, 
meet the cat. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, the, the, the character meant to be the greatest hockey player in the world has to present, at least in our portion of the story where we meet him, as like an 18-year-old kid. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like what Wayne Gretzky was when he entered the NHL. So you're, uh, even though you were playing this like kind of uh, dark uh, ringleader type character in, in this flick, um, the whole time I'm watching you going like, there's no way this dude can't play sweet. Like if you could do this shit, this dude could play fucking super sweet. And that's what the character right. needs to believe. It be, needs to be. He's not Wayne Gretzky. He's kind of the Wayne Gretzky like character in right, that right. flick. So I pulled him, uh, I, I, I pulled Kyle aside and I was, uh, just like, this, uh, this is a big important fucking role for me because it's the linchpin. It's uh, the character in, in Hit Somebody represents everything that the main character wants to be. Mm. And they finally actually kind of meet and become friends. But at the same time, um, your character represents the end of everything that the main character that knows. the main character loves and knows and stuff. So it's it's a very bittersweet, tragic, uh, tragic comic kind of relationship. Very um, kind of a George and Lenny type of thing. So um, for for me, once I, I watched you for a couple of weeks, I was like, this dude's got to be. And it's like 180 degrees away from everything we did in this movie. Um, but uh, Lord knows you're more than fucking up for handling it. And um, I, I can't wait. That I can't wait to see. I, I, there's a Picture, I mean, it's almost creepy how I would fucking take a picture that I had of Kyle on Red State and throw it up against this picture of the 18-year-old Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, this is perfect. This is an absolute <laughs> no-brainer. You know, put you on skates and you're fucking, you're fucking right there. So that's what we'll be doing at the end of, uh, of this year. And it had everything to do with what you did in this flick. So thank you. Thank you for bringing your all. Thank um, you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be done talking. We're gonna open up to these cats. Okay. See what the, what they have to ask. Let me get a mic down here and let me get a hand in the air. There's one right there. How are you, sir? What's your name? Good, Marcos. Mm. It sounds like you put yourself into every role you do. When you do something like Nightmare on Elm Street, where the end result isn't what you'd hope for, how do you recover from that? How does it affect you for the next job? A movie like that's tough. I mean, I guess when you when you leave a movie like Nightmare, like I said, you kind of walk away from it and like you know learn how to pick your battles. And I guess I guess there would be times that I would have been more vocal and spoken up to be like maybe we should try this or this isn't really working for me or, and, and, and it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, a movie like that is kind of hard to jump into just because, I mean, I'm a walking cue card until the third act. I mean, it's nothing but exposition pretty much. I mean, I don't know how many times I said the word preschool, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) it's like, I think it's a preschool. Why don't we look it up online? No one thought of that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I, I guess you just walk away from it and, and just think about what you want to do with the next role and, and just you kind of have to keep looking towards the future because if you really sit back and think about that and beat yourself up over it, I mean, there's really only so much you can do. And when you're done filming, that movie's coming out whether you like it or not. And you watch it and you go, okay. I imagine at that point, you're like, Christ, I hope the nightmare ends here. <laughs> um, Kevin's talked a lot about the chemistry between you and the two guys that play your friends. And um, did you know those guys? And if not, uh, how did you build chemistry with them uh, to make it seem so realistic? Um, I didn't know them. I have known of Michael for a long time. Um, he was actually one of the kids like my age that I've seen his work, and he was somebody I wanted to work with for a while because I, I think he's really good. Yeah, he's tough. <laughs> he's, 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 he's a sick. hardcore actor. Um, 
But Michael and Nick knew each other so well that they were just fucking around. And we literally, our first scene together was the one where it's us messing around and joking around. I didn't know these kids. I literally met them 15 minutes before we had to film. So I just kind of jumped in with their banner and was just kind of like, you're going to accept me whether you like it or not because we got, because we got to be friends. So from the first day on, we just, we made sure to all kind of hang out and talk on set and just get to know each other as much as we could in the downtime we had and, you know, build a movie relationship around the relationship we had built as real people. Uh, and this, I guess, is in addition to that. Um, uh, seeing uh, Michael come in and Nick, and they're talking about the specific way they sort of get into their character and start to prep is considerably different than what you do. Um, and of course, because everybody's got a different uh, way of looking at it. Did you guys ever sort of inform uh, each other's um, manners or, or skills in a way that shaped your your portrayal of the character you play no i mean as far as what they do to prep i honestly have no idea what they do i mean i haven't heard their podcast so i don't really know what they said they didn't uh i mean well to be fair there wasn't uh, well that's not i was gonna say what did they have to prep for but they also had some shit to prep for yeah. as well they didn't do whatever you did though like nick would be hanging up on the monitor like, <laughs> laughing it up and shit talking and about michael's, something michael's walking around in his his, in his underwear, skin, his skin, skin underwear, the banana tucked in his fucking underwear, <laughs> 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 sitting with his leg up next to Video Village. Yeah, um, he was pimping it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have no banana. <laughs> I think he ate that banana. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no, I mean you don't really inform of each other each other too much because I think it takes away from. I mean, one of the main things as an actor is just listen. You know, you do all your work, you prep your work, and you throw it all away when you get to set because you don't know who you're working with. And a good actor will sit there and just listen and pay attention and react off of what the person's doing. So if I know what he's going to do, you know, say he goes to fucking punch me, and I know he's going to do it, I'm not going to flinch. You know, so it's 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 all about acting and reacting and, and, and listening. So you want everything to be a surprise. You want everything to be new. And the problem is when you do like 10 takes, that's the hardest part is you have to still do it like it's the first time. So you kind of want to look back on the first time where you didn't know anything and be like, okay, how do we make this fresh without it seeming like we've done this 10 times? Did you ever have a director have you doing multiple takes where you're like, I don't, why am I still doing this kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. There's sometimes where people will keep going, and you're like, "We beat this thing to death. Why are we? Why are we even doing this?" Yeah. But then, you know, there's there's people who do like 80 takes, and then on the 80th take, something new happens, and it's like, "That's why I did 79 takes to get to this take." Right. I, I think it just depends. At on which point, as an actor, I would pull them aside and be like, "Just tell me to do that next time." <laughs> right. Like, don't trick me, bitch. Right. I, yeah. I'm like, I can act. Just tell yeah. Me. It can get tricky. I mean. I, but then you get people who get way too into your business and explain. And I had a director once that it's the first time I, I almost like got in a fist fight with this guy. Really? I mean, I I wanted to knock this guy unconscious. Um, but he was giving me notes like, you know, the network would really like if you cry here, and or like he actually told me to get melodramatic at one point, and I was gonna fucking kill him. And we. <laughs> <laughs> He's and, like, that's good. Start there. <laughs> you want to see melodramatic, bitch? <laughs> really? um, 
But then we were filming for like a week and a half, and it was finally, I guess there was a day I did what he wanted right from the get-go, and it was a really emotional scene. I was about to, you know, pop my iPod in after the scene. Like, Mm -hmm. I had a song to wind down to and just walk around for a minute. And as I'm putting my second earbud in, he comes up behind me and pats me on the shoulder and goes, hey, looks like you can act. Good for you. Holy shit. <laughs> and I you strangled was, him with your earbud. It was like, you need to get the fuck away from me now. Or I, So it depends. You get... You that's get, not you a good. All... That's not good bedside manner for any doctor. No. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of weird. You get all... You get all... You get all types. Um... Anybody else? We got some. Yeah, here we go. Here, here, here. Uh, you actually just answered my question, but I wanted to ask if your process ever changes with every director you work with, or how that how does that work? I, I think the process changes more with every character and scripts. I mean, with the director, it's it's a different animal. It's kind of like learning how to work with different people. You know, because there's some directors that don't give you the time of day. There's some directors that you need to just be like, can you leave me alone for a fucking second? <laughs> like, you're that talk- was me. I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? Ta- What's up? <laughs> what are you listening to? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I mean, one of the best parts, like the way Kevin directed, which I really appreciated. And I think, what did you say? You said, I'm not going to come up in your kitchen unless I have a problem. Yeah, so I'm going to yeah. stay out of your kitchen. I got no business in your kitchen unless I got an issue. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's it's a good way to direct. There's some people who, there's some parts where I would rather have a director be more hands-on or a director who gives me a note that I just don't listen to. And then you do it the same way three times. And then he goes, Oh, that was great. I'm like, it's what I did the first time. Like, so you kind of learn how to work with everybody. I wouldn't say manipulate, but you kind of have to find a common ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, characters and stuff is where I really kind of have a different process. How's the skating coming in? Uh, have you seen Slapshot? I saw Slapshot a long time ago. I haven't seen it since, I don't even know the last time I've seen it. But uh, I have not really started skating yet. <laughs> well, I, I thought you were all about prep, Kyle. I, you said end of the shooting year. shooting in eight months. <laughs> you said end of the year. Um, but, yeah, that's that's something I, I will do. I've actually talked to Nick about possibly getting together and skating together. I absolutely, I have no fear whatsoever. This, this dude's that kind of actor that like will be ready to go two weeks out. He'll throw on skates and fucking come out like a pro skater. Like he just kind of does his homework and shit. That's that's the beauty, beautiful thing about the job for me is uh, I don't know if it's always this way or if I've just only really um, um, realized it fairly recently, but. The um, the job for me is so much more fun when uh, everyone is so fucking talented that I don't have to say anything anymore. Like back in the old stuff that I used to do, it was all about, all right, say it like this. Even if they were saying it in a different way, I'd be like, don't say it like that. Say it like this. Right. And like pretty much we're putting my hand up people's asses, working them like a puppet and shit. And maybe they were more talented than I gave them credit for, and I probably could have got a lot more out of them just by leaving them alone and shit, but that was the only way I knew how to do the job back then. The older you get and the more you're surrounded with really talented craftspeople, you, it, it is easy to be like, dude, I ain't going to say shit unless there's something I need to, but yeah. go. Because it's the thrill of the job is like sitting down and watching what they do on that little monitor with those words when you don't tell them to do anything. Right. Because nine and a half times out of ten, 
not only will it hit the target, but they'll do something different than you ever thought of and be like, oh, that's even fucking better. Mm-hmm. You know, like my instincts would have been like, don't listen to that scary music, Kyle. Just come over here. We'll tell jokes <laughs> and then pretend to be scared. But because you were like, no, I know exactly what I need to do, what I need to do in order to make this look real to help the rest of your shitty picture. Then you would sit there and, 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 and do it, man. And it really kind of, I don't know. It was for me, it was a really great thing to, to watch unfold because i was just like man this is i guess this is what it could always be like if you just stay out of really talented people's way they'll make a great movie around you you know yeah that's I, kind of I, I remember even just being in the middle of scenes with no lines and watching people do their shit like yeah. melissa and michael and just being like yeah well <laughs> it was fun it was really like it was a fun set to be on just in terms of if you like performance and you like watching actors it was a really great set to be on because it, no matter where you threw the fucking ball Somebody was doing something really good, and it's also cool because it's it's kind of like a Cassavetes film in the sense that it's like it's long. You get yeah. long shots. You get to see people doing shit. Yeah, it's not like, like all cut heavy and shit. Like nah, when you're like, a fly, you're like a fly on the wall. Um, anybody else before we get out of here? We do one more and get out. Yes, sir. Uh, do you prescribe to a particular school of acting? Like, are you Meisner, Adler, Strasburg? What a great question. And How come I actually, never asked shit like that? I, ha- I have a number two that is. Could you confirm or deny whether Malcolm Ingram's hatred of uh, Diablo Cody is warranted? <laughs> that I have a great question. That man. I have no. That I have no idea. <laughs> you work? Did you work uh, with? She? I've only uh, dealt with her cursory. Very nice lady, funny chick, uh, Diablo Cody. Was she even around when you guys were making? Yeah, that she was there pretty much the whole shoot. All the all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, it's the same. I mean, I didn't. I was very. I was kind of low man on the totem pole in that movie. I wasn't a very big part, so. I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with um, anybody really, but the cast and the director. Mm. Um, but there were a couple nights where we'd go out to dinner and stuff, and I would get to talk to Diablo. I think she's, I think she's, she's a rad very chick. Cool lady. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm really nice. has a real. My friend Malcolm has a real bug up his ass about her. Like she's too popular for her own good. One of those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like her. I think. Did she's you work? Cool. You worked with uh, Adam Brody on the movie? No, uh, I didn't have scenes not, with him. No, you didn't have any scenes. No, no, that's right. He was the fucking the, yeah. yeah rocker. Yeah. yeah. No. I'll spoil that movie but uh, it's totally worth saying all right that was the second question what was the first oh do i prescribe no um i i don't i uh i'm not a fan of someone being like oh the only way to do it is do meisner and repeat yourself and you know stuff like that i um my coach trained with um there's a guy named larry moss you know who he is larry moss is in new york he's you know he's worked with like DiCaprio and and a, and a lot of big people, but the way he does it is kind of the same way my coach trains. Um, where it's whatever works, do it. If you want to do a little Meisner, if you want to do a little whatever, throw it in there. And you know my coach teaches a little bit of everything. And I mean that's the thing when people tell you you know Meisner is the only way to go. It's like yeah Meisner could work, but the best part about this industry is like there's no fucking rules. Like you can do whatever you want. I mean. I listen to my iPod, Michael might do nothing or he might draw a picture. You know, I don't know. So, no, I don't really say one way or the other. I'm just going to do it worse. <laughs> Thank you for coming out and uh, and, and uh, elevating, not executing um, in, in Red State. Uh, can't wait to fucking put you in skates in the next flick. Everyone give it up for Kyle Garner. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you next week on Red State of the Union Q&A. Good night.